in the recording. Good evening. Today is May 31st, 2022, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is... We agnostics. Agnostics, I'm sorry. And our speaker tonight is Aaron B. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks, Suvin. Um, hi, guys. It's so fun to be here <laughs> in my home meeting. This is the meeting that um, changed everything for me when I came back to OA. So I'm really, I just love to see all your faces. Um, I'm Erin B. And today I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and restrictor by the grace of God. Um, I haven't shared much. I'm still new at this. I'm going to be looking down at my notes all the time. So thanks for your grace. I get very nervous. Um, I'm just going to have a minute of silence here. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to qualify um, briefly for those who don't know my story, um, in case you don't think I belong here. <laughs> I can remember, like as a kid, me and my sister would sneak a lot of food, um, hide a lot of food. You are muted. We can't hear you. How about now? Aaron. Okay, good. Sorry. I was just saying, um, as a kid, I spent a lot of food with my sister, but I didn't know any different. I think I just thought that's what people do. And I, the first, the first time I remember really feeling like something's off here was, um, I was probably a, like an early teenager. We lived in a condo on the second floor and I was binging a packet of cookies in my room. And I got to the point where I always got to where it's like, garbage, no more. I'm not going to do this anymore. But instead of just like throwing them in the garbage, I made the bold decision to go into the hallway and throw them in the trash chute. So they went directly into the dumpster where I then continued to go climb into the dumpster and get them out of the trash. Um, I had, you know, like serious boyfriends as a teen in, in my early twenties, the first told me, um, or actually after every time we would eat at a restaurant, cause I think I tend to eat, to eat more when I go out I would look at him like with the, I was so serious. And I would say, do I look different? Like I was so afraid that he could see on my body, like what I had just eaten in that amount of time. And then another serious boyfriend said to me, um, you eat like a, like a kid who didn't have enough food growing up. And I just like, I didn't realize that was such a, I don't know. It seems so profound to me looking back on it now, because it's like that scarcity mentality that has like plagued me in every area of my life. And so it's something that I still have to actively work at today. Um, I started like really hardcore restricting when I got to college, like I hit the rec center. I was afraid of that freshman 15. I lived on these tiny little bowls of Rice Krispies and Diet Coke. Um, I got down to the lowest I'd ever been. I can remember stepping on the scale and being like, this is the number. Like I found the number, like I lifted up my shirt and my stomach looked flat and I found the number you guys. And then I never saw that number again. Um, I got a job at Subway and I worked there for the next four years, which is like working at a restaurant. It's like, it's like a compulsive overeater slash restrictors, like dream slash nightmare I we had this like freezer and my thing was always the frozen bag boxes of bags of frozen cookie dough available to me for hours and hours at a time are you kidding so I would go in there like by myself shove literally shoving them down my throat in my apron like 
anywhere I could fit these cookies, you know, and then like go into the bathroom, binge on them like multiple times. Right. And when I was doing my eighth step this time around, my sponsor was like, you need to try to calculate like how much money you stole from Subway. And I was like, oh, that's funny. How the hell, you know, like, how am I ever going to do that? And I tried my best I could to look up like the prices and everything. And I calculate that I owe Subway about a thousand dollars. And so I am slowly working on, I'm paying it to a food bank because Subway did not respond to my, <laughs> my amends email. Um, let's see. You know, I always idolized thinness, like always envied the thin girls. I didn't need a God because I worshiped the scale, that piece of metal in my bathroom. I like literally at my worst, it was multiple times a day. Like if anything went into my body or came out of my body, like I needed to know what that number said, because that's the only way I know how to feel about myself. That's how I know I'm getting through the day or I'm not getting through the day today. Like it dictated everything about my life. Um, I've done a six week intensive outpatient program. I've done laxative. I've done pills. I came into OA for a while and left to do more of my own research just to come right back here. There was a period of time where I was afraid to drink water, water, because I was so, because it changed the number on the scale and I didn't care what it was I was putting into my body. I cared about the number. That was all. Um, but no matter what I tried, it was always right back to that cycle of binging and restricting. And it was fun for a while. Like I was excited driving out to do my binge. Like I could get excited just thinking about what I'm going to go buy. But then they say like you cross this invisible line where it's like, this isn't fun anymore. This isn't a choice anymore. Like this is a necessity and I don't know how to do life if I don't do this. Um, and I, I have spent, well, you know, the unmanageability came in like things a lot of us have done, right? Like binging and then the hard, hardcore isolating, just like goodbye world, like close the blinds, turn off the phone, connect with nobody, call into work, don't see friends, all of that, like not living life. And um, I've been hours and days of my life obsessing over numbers, tracking calories, tracking, I don't even know what a macro is. I would track them in this app that like arbitrarily told me what my body needed based on literally nothing. You know, I mean, just the, the mental obsession has really um, run rampant in me. And I, um, right before I came back to program this time around, so it was just last summer, I'm a teacher. I was in summer school. I was like pushing and helping in different classrooms. And I quickly learned that when that third grade classroom went out to recess, they had a garbage full of the snacks they didn't finish because the third grader eats like a cookie and then throws six cookies away because they're crazy. And so I would go and like raid that garbage can, like same thing at Subway, right? Shove them in my pockets, go to the bathroom, eat all their food, proceed to the lounge where I had found um, a sheet cake in the fridge, my best friend, crouch behind the refrigerator door and like shove it into my mouth with my bare hand. Like who needs utensils? Like this is just, you know, with my bare hands. And it was miserable. Um, and I came back to program because I had a night that that summer where I actually have, um, I found this tonight while, while I was preparing a journal from something I wrote two weeks after it. I said, on 7-26, I spent the day binging. I ate a bunch of shit until I couldn't, but I had more leftover that I ate even though I didn't want to. I was so far beyond the point of craving or satiation that it could only be described as self-annihilation. I lay in bed that night in absolute mental agony. I couldn't fall asleep, but I was begging God to let me because I couldn't endure being in my head for one more second. Like it was like, fuck this fucking disease. Like I, 
it's the lowest point this disease has ever brought me. And I say every single morning when I pray, like, may I never go back to that kind of darkness. It, ter it terrifies me. Um, but, the, but the gift was that the next day I woke up and I came back and I came to a meeting. And so that's the gift of desperation, as they say. Um, so fast forward, um, now I've been abstinent for about eight and a half months. Um, I only weigh myself once a month, which is like, <laughs> I can't believe that. Um, because somebody said once, which I loved this phrasing, there's nothing that's going to enrich my spirit in that piece of metal. Um, and I sponsor women, and those are really just a few of the miracles in my short time and program. Um, I'm actually going to share, so I'm going to share my screen, but it's not going to be a picture of me. I do not have pictures of me at my highest weight, which is, I'm not a big swinger. It's maybe 30 pounds, but this is a picture and, you know, choose your own conception of God. So if you're not a Christian, like if this perception of God doesn't resonate with you, please fill in any image that that does. I'm just sharing because I'm going to refer to this picture and it's been like really crucial in my recovery. Um, okay. All right. So when I found out, I knew I was speaking on chapter on step two, but when I found out that I was speaking on we agnostics, I was kind of nervous because I feel like I've never considered myself agnostic. Like I've grown up with this like positive image of God and I didn't have to like, I mean, I'm grateful. Like I didn't have to, a lot of people really struggle with that part. And it's not something that I've struggled with, but well, I needed my God to get bigger, you know, but I didn't have like a negative God or a punishing God. But as I reread this chapter, it was like so many points. It doesn't matter. Like there's so many points in there do, that apply to all of us. And so that's just what I'm going to share tonight. Um, let's see. And the first one was, you know, even though I had a positive vision of God, what I never realized is that I did have prejudices. And the big book talks about the prejudices. Um, and I'm just going to list them the way I was taught them. And I forget what page it's on, but it's in this chapter. So the things that could get in our in the way of our relationship with God are an inadequate concept of God. So if you do have like a punishing God, um, or the fact or the idea that like believing in something greater than me makes me weak, um, thinking that we can't believe because we don't understand it, thinking that God runs the world poorly, thinking that people who believe aren't very nice, and so I don't want to believe either, and then thinking that I won't be able to do whatever I want if I believe in a higher power, which not being able to do whatever I want has been the greatest gift <laughs> um, that I, I didn't know I needed. Um, so my, my an original sponsor had me just write on those, and it was really eye-opening for me to see um, where my prejudices lied and like what lied between me and, and forming a, a deeper connection with God. You know, the book tells us that if we lay aside our prejudices and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, it says we commence to get results. Like we don't have to define God, like people do, you know, like write what you think God is and it's fine. Like there's nothing wrong with any of that, but we don't have to define God here. We don't have to comprehend God in this program to get results. We just have to have a willingness to believe that he will do this for us. Um, and it talks, you know, and something I've heard a lot, which I love, like the same way we use electricity or like my technology, I couldn't tell you the first thing about how any, I'm a teacher, I have no idea how these things work. Like if my kids ask me, I'd be like, let's Google it. Like I have no idea how they work, but I'll use them every day because they do work. Like I just care about the results. And so in the same way, 
I don't have to define God. I don't have to be able to explain why all of this works. It just works. And so I keep doing it. Like that's all, it's that simple for me. It's just that simple, you know? And um, it, the book tells us that our problem is a lack of power. And this step is exciting because this is where we get that, that infusion of power. This is the first step where we get to feel power greater than ourselves. Um, and all we have to do is be willing to believe. Like I know as addicts, I know from us speak for myself, like I am self-centered to the maximum, but even I don't think I'm the greatest power in this universe, right? Like I, I don't, the, the waves don't obey me. Like, so I can admit at least that there's something greater than me and that's all that it takes to, to start, to make a start. Um, on page 48, you know, it says, faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we had tried to be on other questions. In this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. It had finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. I remember always thinking like, man, the big book is so like dramatic. <laughs> like they use such like dramatic terms, but that's because this disease is dramatic and that is the reality of it. I remember um, the first time in program I was on like a workshop, I was struggling to put the food down. And at the Q&A session, I asked the speaker, like, I, I was so desperate, I was like, but how do you get the willingness? Like, I needed her to give me the answer. I had no, I, I didn't know what to do. And I needed her to give me the answer. And I was so pissed off when she responded, like, maybe the food just hasn't beat you into reasonableness yet. And I like, I was so mad at her for not giving me the answer, but that's the only answer she could have given me. And that's what I need. Like I need, and I left the rooms and that's exactly what happened. Like, that's what happened. Um, I still had my own ideas of how to control and enjoy my eating. And therefore I didn't need a higher power's help. If I still have my own ideas, there's no need for anything else to come in. And the Cliff Notes version of my own ideas was like, I swore to myself and to my sponsor that I could eat this measured portion of low fat ice cream every single day because it was measured. So it was fine. And I did it for like two and a half months. Like the whole time it was like, see, right. Like it like feeds my disease because like, look at me doing it. Um, and then that turned into, well, I could also have this on special occasions. Cause like in fall, they have really fun flavors. Um, so special occasions became a new thing which turned into like a special occasion is now me going to the grocery store and then it's me passing the grocery store. And then it's like, I woke up today and it's a special occasion. And then I opened my freezer one day and I had 18 pints of like 18 pints. It was all I could see in my freezer. And I was like, my own ideas. That's like, this is where my own ideas get me. Um, but when I came back this time, I was, I was beaten down by the disease. And when we're in a place where we can take the first step with total honesty, or when I was, you know, like admit that I'm really powerless and that my life is unmanageable, like what choice do I have, right? Like if I know my way isn't working anymore, my way doesn't get me recovered, what else can I do? And really the big book answers that question. It says our two alternatives are to go on to the bitter end. I love this phrasing here blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situations the best we can. That is how I lived my life. Blotting out, who wants to live like, like blotting out the consciousness of my situation um, or to accept spiritual help, you know? And, and I heard this work for, for you guys. And it says, um, 
when we saw others solve their problems by a simple reliance upon the spirit of the universe, we had to stop doubting the power of God. Our ideas did not work, but the God idea did. Um, I read this book years ago, and I think about it a lot. And um, it's an outside book, but it was the author claimed that he was writing in a format that was like questions to God. And he said that when he wrote back, it, it was almost like two-way prayer. It was like God's response to him. So it was like conversations, okay? Um, and at one point he asked God, like, how can I be sure that you're really him or like this way of living that you say is really gonna work for me? And I was like, what is God gonna say to, to prove that, you know? And his response was just, do you know a better way to live? And I loved that response because that's exactly how I feel about this program. Like, I don't know a better way to live than by the principles in these books. I don't know a better way to live. Um, all right. And the book tells us that we actually already, like our problem isn't that we don't have faith or that we can't worship, right? Because we already have faith in something and we already worship, like I worship the scale. We, you know, like maybe we worship I, like the idol of thinness or whatever it is, a certain number that we're chasing after. Um, and I, I had faith in my, I had an arrogant, insane amount of faith in myself and my way. So it's not that I lacked faith, but like my faith and my worship were misplaced. They were on the wrong things. And so when I could align those, you know, the way the book tells me to, I, um, it changed everything for me. Like I always, um, sorry, I'm my notes. So for me, I said, and I'm stealing everything, you know, everything I'm saying, I'm, I'm stealing from somebody. But for me, it's like a series of trust falls. I love that analogy because it's like every time I decide to like fall back and trust that I'm going to be caught and I see that I'm caught, it increases my faith a little bit more. And I want to do it like a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger next time. Um, I'm going to share a God story. You know, some of you have been around um, the past couple months and kind of seen this unfold, but I just, um, I want to share it because God's awesome. <laughs> so I, you know, I came um, a couple months, a few months ago, I had surgery. So I was home all the time and just like online and doing whatever, had all the time in the world. Um, so I, I live in Illinois right now and I've like taken so many trips to the mountains and have like dreamed of moving to the mountains for well over a decade. Um, and believe me when I say I tried to figure out how to make that happen. I have a friend who did it. I'm like, what do I do first? Find a job, find a place to live. Like, how do I do it? How do I do it? I need the logistics. Like I've desperately tried. I've like zillowed the crap out of like every state to see where I could afford to live. You know, all of it. I've done so much research on this. I can't figure out how to do it. Figure it out isn't the step they say, right? I couldn't figure it out. And so um, a couple months ago, I see a job that uh, was posted in Jackson, Wyoming, which is like the epicenter of like outdoor, you know, just like gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. And I start applying. And then before I even finish the application, I stop and I just decide to see like, well, how much does it cost to live in Jackson? And then it was like, I axed out of the application because I was like, oh, I'm not a billionaire. Like, I can't live in this tiny little ski town for the rich and famous. Yet, like, I stopped applying, but something made me go back and, and turn it in. And I got an interview. I did the interview on my six-month abstinence date. I um, got offered the job the next day, and I could not let myself be excited because the housing thing was still completely impossible, completely impossible. 
anyone you you ask who knows anything about Jackson will be like, good luck. You know, I'm a single teacher. Good luck. Um, within oh, and then I came. So meditation is something I kind of do a two way prayer through my meditation, which is something I got from this program. So I just do three timed minutes a day and I write a God letter first. And then I try to envision like what God would be responding to me because I'm too lazy to write it. I just like try to imagine it. So I'm doing a meditation um, after I have the interview and very clearly I heard the words get excited and I sat on my couch and I cried like tears of gratitude and disbelief and then I came on this meeting like five minutes later and Sherry Sherry M was speaking if you guys know who she's like so I don't know if I'm supposed to say that one of the persons who's like recovery I have just admired for so long um she was speaking and then I shared after her and she texted me oh my gosh, where are you moving? And I said, the job is in Jackson, Wyoming. And she goes, that's where I'm moving to. And I was like, you're in California. What are you talking about? And it just felt so, that's God. You know, like I accepted the position that night just on faith that like, this is not a coincidence and this is all gonna work itself out. And I swear to you, affordable housing fell into my lap less than two weeks later. And I'm moving to Jackson in six weeks i'm moving to jackson and like i share that because that's what happens when we like it's not lost on me that this i have been dreaming of this and trying to figure it out for a decade and i and then i come into program and i really start believing in this power that's going to help me not just with my food but with every area of my life and i'm trying to be more more faithful with my finances and like just trying to do all these things the way I believe God would have me do them. And it fell into like, it couldn't have been easier. Like, it's silly. It's just silly. like, I feel like I'm watching this like adventure movie of my life. And I can't wait to see like, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? Um, like, I feel like God had like the picture I showed you is like, I feel like he's got like the life we're supposed to be living. Like that's the big teddy bear that he's holding. And like we give up that food or like whatever we're gripping and just like this mini trust ball and he's like here it is like i've been waiting like to to give you this and i just feel like he has so much fun once we just like allow this power to come into us you know and just to move in our lives um i know i'm almost done here so i'll just say you know i was at a retreat recently we were doing kind of like a vision board project like cutting things out of magazines and everything. And I found the word showtime on there, which I loved. And I put it there as like a symbol for God. Somebody said in this program, which I love, like God helping us put down the food is just his opening act, right? It's like, oh, wait, oh, just wait, child. <laughs> like you thought that was cool. It is fucking amazing that he helps us put down the food, right? But like, watch this, right? Watch this. And then I found in another magazine, it said, it's not my show. And I loved that. And I put it right next to it. And I tried like, I fail at it all the time, but I try to live my recovery remembering, like, just get out of the way for God to, like, let him do his show. You know what I mean? Like, your life is never going to be as cool as God's making your life. Um, so let's see. I'll just end on, like, I think sometimes I, it's like I can't believe what has happened already, and I've been in program less than a year, and, and sometimes I feel, like, almost a sense of, because even within my own family, it is like generations of 
this of suffering and this disease like every woman in my family going back as far as i know has suffered and continues to suffer in this disease and i don't understand like it's like why me like why do i like why did i find this program why didn't they like why don't they get these things too and it makes me i don't know sometimes i feel bad or like it's just not fair right and I can't do anything about that. And it's not something that I can understand as hard as I try, but I feel like the only way, but like my only response to that is to live my gratitude out loud and to like tell anyone who will listen, who is responsive to this message, like there's, it's there for you too. Like I tried so hard to be special and different when I came to this program, I tried so hard and I am a textbook alcoholic and it's the greatest thing that i could have learned about myself because if i'm not special then you're not special and if god can do this for me then he'll do it for you right like the beauty of not being special is that like all the god stories we hear and all the work that we see happening in other people in these rooms should get us excited right like we don't have to be jealous like we should be excited because that's what happens when we have this power and whatever you call your god like i just feel like he's there like holding that teddy bear just like he can't wait right like he can't wait to start having so fun and so much fun in our lives and it's just he always needs us to take a step towards him you know and then it'll like unleash that power so um nothing i ever did got me recovered none of my own ideas got me recovered none of my own power would have ever brought me to the place i am here and so I guess I would just say like, what do you have to lose? You know, if you're afraid to give it over, if you're afraid to just believe in something bigger, you can always go back to not believing, you know, but I just, I think um, there's so much here and I just hope that you'll let God start having some fun in your life if you haven't yet. And um, I just, I love CYOC. This is my, I feel like I talk about it in every meeting I go to because it's just been, instrumental in my recovery and I love to see your faces. So um, thanks for letting me share and thanks for being a part of my story and people who answer the phone and people who call me and just, um, I shared at a retreat, like I, I, I by default, like walk into a room and feel like I don't belong, like feel like people don't want me there. And it's, it's the opposite in these rooms and specifically in this room. So thank you for making me feel so welcome and seen and heard and um, I will pass. Thank you so much, Erin B, for your beautiful, miraculous share. Okay, um, so we will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied uh, this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone. And the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. With the timekeeper, please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when the time is up. If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Hi everyone, I'm Sharon Compulsive uh, Overeater Recovered in Los Angeles. Okay, um, I see a couple of hands raised at the moment. Um, I'm gonna ask Eileen L to unmute if my computer, my laptop's gonna let me and can't figure out why it's not. There we I'm, go. Oh, okay. All right, hi, I'm Eileen, uh, compulsive overeater. 
Um, I could not get my hand up quick enough. And um, uh, that was amazing, Aaron. Um, I, I could have listened to you for another like couple hours, actually. Um, it filled me up so much. I can't believe how much I related to so much of what you had to say. I especially um, want, I related to um, the scale obsession. Um, yesterday I read my fourth step and I, and it was kind of exciting. Um, and I um, was really blown away at how much the obsession to the number on the scale and like my weight, I'm still kind of holding on to. And that kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, I mean, I know that I'm still kind of, you know, uh, I just started weighing myself because I got a, a nutritionist. And so now I'm kind of like really kind of honing in on that. And um, so now I'm, I'm, and I, I just didn't realize until yesterday that I'm, I'm still kind of in that a little bit. And um, I, uh, when you were talking about how specific it gets, right? How I don't have this, we don't have that. And we, right, the, it just really, it was very humbling for me and made me feel not alone because I had not thought about that in the obsession about that for how real it was for me. So um, I was really, I was very grateful to hear you share that because it just really made me feel not so alone. Um, and I also, I loved, um, I heard a little bit of what I, I like to incorporate kind of the positivity and the 12 step and a little bit of thinking of, uh, when I heard some of the vision board stuff, and that's kind of how I try to live my life as well and mixing the, the two worlds together. And, um, I love that. I just love it. I just love everything I heard tonight. And I would like a copy of your notes. You can email that to me. <laughs> There's so much. I'm like, I want everything that she has to say right now. So much good stuff right now. And I love that you took notes and you brought that to the meeting because I just was like, wow, like she really like she she honored this, you know, like um that was just beautiful that you did that. Um and I, I appreciate that. Um and I also I know I shared this too, like I get all excited when like one of one of us you know, kind of like, I'm like, she's, she's in our meeting, you know, she's like, I'm, I mean, I'm the new one now, right? So it's like, I'm in your meeting. So um, it was just really special to me. So um, anyways, I really enjoyed your share. And I, I look forward to some outreach about kind of the obsession with the number and the scale and all that. So it was really great to hear it. So thank you so much. Thank you, Eileen. Um, next, we have Christine. Hey guys, Christina, uh, compulsive overeater, gratefully living in a recovered state today. Erin, thank you so much for your share. Um, yeah, like what I really needed to hear tonight was just like, get out of the way and let God do their thing. You know, like higher power, like works our life in a way that like we could never do ourselves. And like, it's so much better than we could ever imagine. Um, I got this really amazing opportunity a few months ago to go away this summer for an internship and it's an incredible opportunity for school and it's just like nice 
to get away for the summer and you know to I, I get to like go to like a kid's summer camp and you know do all these fun activities and everything um and I was really looking forward to it and now it's coming up and I leave in like a week and a half and I was kind of freaking out and also I have a new boyfriend and I'm like things are different now like do I want to go <laughs> and like leave for eight weeks um yeah so and you know like I have like a bunch of health issues and stuff going on and I was like freaking out and I was like I'm just I'm not gonna go like it, there's I, I just I can't go and then I was like no Christina like what are you doing like get out of your own way and follow the path so I you know talked to my doctors about it because obviously there was like concerns with that but my doctors cleared me to go and I was like okay you know like this is this is what higher power wants for me and just because I'm scared because I don't know what what the future holds I don't know what's going to happen like I don't know it like how are things going to be with program? Like, I'm not going to have my own room. How am I going to have space for like meetings and like have my time with higher power? Like, how am I going to make sure that I have abstinent food? And I need to just let it go and just not worry about it. And I mean, like, I, I know that I'm going to be able to have abstinent food and things are going to be okay. So I need to just get out of the way and just let higher power do their thing. So thank you for your share. Um, and I've spent the past few days like frantically trying to get everything ready and get everything done in time so I can leave for the whole summer. Anyway, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Christina. Next, um, we have Francesca. Thank you, Sharon. Hi, everyone. I'm Francesca, compulsive overeater and bulimic. Very grateful to be living in a recovered state for today. Um, thank you so much, Erin. I love you. I, it's just, um, you know, you said, I can't think of any better way to live my life than by, you know, the dictates of this program. And I like, I truly, I'm so grateful to be a bulimic and compulsive overeater because, you know, you said, um, like my ideas, like not living by not living the way I want is the best thing that ever happened to me. And I couldn't agree more. And also, you know, I, I also have um, all the women and men in my family just um, obsessed by food and body um, and owned by it. And, you know, maybe they don't dumpster dive and dump, maybe they don't do what I, what I did. And, and that's why I feel grateful that I did those things because I, there was no other choice for me, you know, like there was no other place to go, but I, I definitely feel that like, why do I get this? I'm, I'm so blessed. And it's like, you know, and just so getting to like live out my gratitude and know that I am worthy. And, um, and just this way that you're like, you know, let God, you know, like, let God be God and, and do that. I feel like the way the earnest you have with it is like allows people who don't feel comfortable using that language, use it. It's, you know, it's like, you're just, you had this way of like, making like the playing field so even or like desensitizing like prejudices and and like and fear and, and other conceptions because there was just such this like 
humility and um, purity and light that came through you that it's like, yeah, okay. Yes. Like, yes, yes. And so, um, and it's just really special, um, to, and that's just really like a gift that you have. And when I, um, was first came back, um, well, I, I never left, but I, when I, um, when I came to this meeting, um, you know, and I saw you, we had connected in a meeting, like, like when I first came to OA and you first came to OA and you said, and I thought like, yeah, it just, when you shared that you left and now you were back and you were just so like there for me and supportive and it just, um, and yeah, this meeting, it just really changed things. And then though, like you became a real person and at times disappointed. I'm like, why isn't she calling me back? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> because, um, you know, I was like, oh, you're a real human. And you shared like your struggles and, and your, your character stuff. And then that's even better and bigger and has helped me be in better relationship with other fellows and, and with my family and with my community. And, um, and seeing that like, oh, I, no one is a higher power, no human. So if I'm ever disappointed, that means I was making that human a higher power. And so it's just been really um, a delight um, to just get to like do life with all of you, you know, um, and get those reflections. Um, and yeah, just th this, you know, you, I'm a textbook alcoholic and thank God, you know, not being special, how like not being special is like the best thing. Um, I just really love that. And you said these, you know, series of trust falls. Um, and so just like providing that really like powerful imagery and Mental that time reminder. Sorry. Oh, thank you, Sue. But no, I, I didn't, I felt like I was talking for a long time. So, um, you know, so uh, I was about to put my elbow down and I did that instead. Um, thank you, Aaron. And thank you everyone. Um, and I pass. We will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares. With the Zoom host, please.